Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One of the most important things we discuss on this show, one of the most important messages I hope we convey to all of our listeners, is the equal value of each and every life. It is something that is sorely lacking in media coverage. We've briefly discussed it here on the show before, how sad it is that some cases get national and even global media attention to help push for justice, and others are swept under the rug and get all of three newspaper articles about them. Recently, I discovered the website areyoupressworthy.com in hopes of exposing that media bias when reporting missing persons cases, coverage that is affected by factors like age, race, gender, sexual orientation, and location. I found that I am only, quote-unquote, worth 15 news stories. A maximum of 30.9% of Americans would hear about me if I were to go missing. Seeing that just reaffirmed in me the passion for why we do what we do here on the show. Do we sometimes cover the more high-profile cases? Yes. But our mission is to shine the spotlight on the cases you've never heard about. The cases for which there are only three news articles. The cases where the families are left wondering why their child is somehow less worthy of media coverage than someone else's child. And the cases that, for one reason or another, people have decided to overlook or dismiss. It's our goal to give all families exposure, and in some cases, to set the record straight in terms of the victim blaming that also, unfortunately, happens in our media today. The victim at the center of our case this week was a young Caucasian heterosexual woman from Malton, North Yorkshire in the UK, and her case did garner much national publicity within the United Kingdom. The coverage she received should have meant a swift resolution because of the attention, and it appeared at first that this might be a case that would be solved within days. That is, until the media flipped on her and switched the narrative, making anyone with information about the crime scared to come forward out of fear of their names also being smeared. This is the case of Claudia Lawrence. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. 
and my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. In March 2009, Claudia Lawrence had just recently, on February 27th, celebrated her 35th birthday. And Claudia was a chef who had worked her way through many kitchens before landing a job at the University of York's Goodrick College and moving to Hayworth in 2007, where she bought a home there, a little cottage, not far from her job. So she's, you know, doing the adult stuff. Mm -hmm. Settling down, getting the job that she wants. Both of her parents, Dad Peter and Mom Joan, lived close, even though they had divorced years earlier. They both lived fairly close. And Claudia herself was very close to the both of them and to her sister, Allie, who was three years older than Claudia. Yeah, so she seems like she's got adult life figured out so far. Yeah. Lucky for Claudia, when she moved to her new home that was away from her parents, she was very social and she made friends extremely easily. She found this local pub called the Nags Head, which was only about four doors down from her home. And she would frequently spend her evenings meeting up with friends or making new ones there. So I am really intrigued by life in the UK because mm-hmm. you know obviously I've never been there. Anthony and I are planning like a Western European trip in the year 2024. Mm-hmm. Um and we will be going just to London. But I think all of their just the way that they live sounds so different from here. Like I don't have a little cottage with a pub that's four doors down for me. I feel like I their life is just so almost kind of magical. Like I feel like you could walk to the bakery and get some bread and then walk to like the deli to get your mead whereas oh, we go yeah. to like Kroger. Right. I I know. Yeah, it's just it does feel a lot more quaint. Yes. And, word. You know, I'll talk about it here in a bit, but um it is very different because like when I studied in England, you really you walk everywhere. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not like here where you kind of have to, you know, hop in your car and drive somewhere, you know, in mm-hmm. order to get somewhere. You do just kind of, you just walk there. I think that sounds nice. So this is like four four doors down from where Claudia lived. And it is so cute. Mm-hmm. Like, it literally looks so quaint. Mm-hmm. So it says, you know, like, great food. You know, it's got mm-hmm. flowers outside. Like, it's just a little, you know, local pub. And Claudia was single. So she did often meet other single friends there and maybe flirted with a few men there. But, you know, she's single. Like, this is right. the perfect spot. 
And as most any young woman who needs to stay in touch with the world, she was described as someone who was attached to her phone. She loved talking to and catching up with her friends, either through conversation or text. And she was a social butterfly. She seemed to get along with everybody. She also was enjoying her job, except for maybe the hours. So while she would get off work around two in the afternoon from her chef job, she had to be at work by 6 a.m. Oh, that's early. Mm -hmm. Claudia was never late, but she would come rolling in there about two minutes to six. (laughs) Same. That's how (laughs) I would be as well. I was going to say, I cannot blame her for that one. However, in the past three weeks when this case takes place, getting to work on time had become just a little bit harder since her car was in the shop. So that meant walking the roughly three miles to work. That's a pretty good trek. That is a pretty good piece. So that was hard, not only because of the physical exertion. I mean, that alone would be enough for me where I would be like, (laughs) I got to figure out, I got to buy a bike. I got to do something, but also because it meant having to get up and leave the house even earlier than before. So she would need to leave around 515 a.m. to start walking in order to make it to work by six. I would be so angry. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, how how much longer till you can get this car fixed? Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, when she had her car, it was only about a 10 minute drive to work. Wow. And so because she was having to get up earlier, she had taken to going to bed on most nights just a little bit earlier than usual also, like around 9 p.m. or so. So, you know, that early morning alarm clock wouldn't be quite so difficult to manage. And other than a few late nights thrown into the mix, she was managing pretty well. On March 18th, 2009, The day started like so many days before. Claudia had walked to work that morning, getting there just in the nick of time for her 6 a.m. start time at the Goodrick College Roger Kirk Center. She worked a full day and left at just a bit past two, again on foot. So everything normal so far. After walking part of the way home, A friend of Claudia saw her and stopped and said, hey, do you want me to drive you the rest of the way home? And I'm sure that was a welcomed gesture. Oh, I'm sure because something I hadn't thought about was the weather. When it's still kind of chilly in March Mm -hmm. and the UK gets a lot of rain. Yeah. So I'm sure that was, uh, I would have been so grateful to that friend, Mm -hmm. you know, offering me a lift home. So Claudia got home on the 18th around 2.50 At close to 3 p.m., she left her home walking down the street, and she was seen on CCTV footage and by one of her neighbors as she passed by a shop in Melrose Gate near her house. She had actually been going to mail a letter. She was 
again caught on CCTV footage walking back toward her home at around 3.10 p.m. And this is what I was saying. All this walking might seem strange to those of us, especially those of us who live in rural America, but Claudia lived just outside of the city center, so it wouldn't have been out of the norm to walk to mail a letter, stop by a shop, and the like. And this is what I was saying. When I studied abroad in England during college, in Oxford, I walked to the post office. I walked to get food. I walked to the library. I walked to the shops. I walked to all of my classes. And I mean, these, I was walking miles a day. Hmm. So you walk, there were even pedestrian streets where it's only for pedestrians, which it sounds crazy to us here. Yeah. Yeah. Because we drive. Well, gosh, if I'm in a parking lot, uh, you know, of a shopping center and I'm at one end and I'm like, oh, I need to go to the shop on the other end. I'm like, mm-hmm. let me just hop back in the car and drive down there instead of yeah. walking it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like picturing where I live is about three miles away, probably from Kroger. And I'm thinking how many times I've just said, I want to quickly hop in my car and go to Kroger because I need milk or whatever. And imagine having to walk that. I guess if you're Mm -hmm. you're more cognizant of each one of your trips when you're walking that far versus, Mm -hmm. you know, taking the five minutes to drive it. Right. Exactly. Now, on this day, once Claudia got home this time at around 3.10, it seemed she was there to stay. She spoke with several people on the phone over the course of the next few hours, and she actually had made a few plans for the coming days. Claudia had called up her dad, Peter, and made plans for Friday the 20th to meet him at the Nags Head so that they could visit with one another. And, you know, because of the proximity, the Nags Head pub was a central feature in many of the locals' lives because it was close. It had a good atmosphere. It's just a nice place to hang Mm -hmm. out with friends. So she made plans with her dad. So this was on a Wednesday. So she said, hey, on Friday, let's get together and go to the Nags Head. Then around 8.15 p.m., Claudia phoned her mom, Joan. The television show Location, Location, Location was on, and that was a show that both of them loved. Her mom could actually hear it in the background while they were talking. So they chatted a bit about the show, about life, and then they too went ahead and made some plans to celebrate Mother's Day. Now, our American listeners might be a little bit confused because we celebrate Mother's Day in May. Mm-hmm. However, in the UK, it is celebrated in March. Hmm. And in 2009, Mother's Day was just a few days away because this day I'm talking about is March 18th. And Mother's Day was on Sunday, March 22nd. So they were making plans about what they wanted to do on Mother's Day. Her mom later reported that when she talked to Claudia that night, she was her happy self. She seemed normal. She seemed relaxed. Like I said, uh, they were watching that show that they both loved. Claudia was also texting friends on that evening of the 18th with a last text being sent by her at 8.23 p.m. 
most sources said to her friend Susie. The one other source I saw said that it was to another friend, Jen, who received the text. Um, but because most of them said Susie, I'm going to assume that it was sent to her friend Susie. Gotcha. And they, yeah. they were also making plans to meet at the Nags Head, but this time a little bit earlier. They were going to meet there that very next night on the 19th. And Susie was one of Claudia's best friends. The two were so close that Susie said they used to call each other sister or they would call each other sledge, like sister sledge. So they would they would sign things like notes to each other, love sister or hey sledge. And the two of them were looking forward to getting together just, you know, to hang out. Claudia also received a text at 9.12 p.m., but it's unclear whether she read it since there wasn't, she didn't send a response. But remember, I mean, with that super early alarm clock, you know, about to go off at 5, you know, Mm -hmm. a.m. or before if she had to get ready, depending on how long it took her, Claudia would often try to be in bed by around 9 or just a little bit after. So we don't know if she saw it. I'm a little anxious to hear how investigators are going to spin this case to make Claudia, I'm guessing this is what you meant, Claudia look bad because Mm -hmm. right now she just seems like a normal woman. Right. You'll see. 6 a.m. on Thursday, March 19th rolled around quickly, but as the clock ticked past Claudia's start time, She hadn't shown up for work. Perhaps thinking that maybe Claudia had overslept since Claudia was typically very responsible and was never late, her manager called her a couple of hours into her shift when Claudia still hadn't shown up. So I think I get the sense that maybe at first she was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe something happened. She got held up. You know, she's running Mm -hmm. late. She overslept. And so it was actually several hours into her shift when the manager called, but the manager's call went to voicemail. Did the manager attempt to call anyone else, like a friend or family member? No. Mm -hmm. That evening, remember... The 823 text with the friend Susie about meeting up at the Nags Head. So Claudia's friend Susie shows up at the Nags Head to meet up like they had planned. But instead of catching up with her friend, Susie found herself waiting and waiting for Claudia. She sent Claudia a text, something to the effect of, how could you stand me up? But didn't get a response. And honestly, that doesn't sound like Claudia. She loves her friends. So Mm -hmm. I would think if she wasn't going to be there, she would let Susie know. Right. I would think so, too. Susie later tried calling Claudia, but her phone went straight to voicemail at this Mm -hmm. point. So it didn't even ring. One of the barmaids, Jen, remember, she's the one that one of the sources said the phone call could have been to Jen. Mm -hmm. She was a mutual friend of both Susie and Claudia. And she also tried calling Claudia, and it, too, went straight to voicemail. So the three of them, Claudia, Susie, and Jen, according to an article for the BBC by Alex Moss, were a close-knit 
trio. So they were always calling or texting one another about, you know, new things going on in their lives or when they wanted to vent about something. And the three of them actually met at the Nags Head all the time. In fact, one of the sources I read said that Jen had even lived with Claudia for a few months. So if she were going to answer someone's phone calls, it would have been these two. Yeah. And what the two of them said that they loved most about Claudia as a friend was how easygoing she was. In fact, Jen told Moss for that BBC article, quote, she liked to buy a new top now and again, go to the pub, see her horse, listen to music. She didn't desire the grand things in life. She just wanted a nice sunshine holiday and to have a tan end quote. Yeah. And I love that. You know, people who are just happy with the little things. Mm -hmm. So again, you can tell kind of how close it seemed the three were. So it was very odd that Claudia wasn't responding to either of them. I hope that they contact the parents. Well, they do, but not yet. Mm. And I can imagine that both Susie and Jen likely beat themselves up over it now and we always talk about the mental damage caused by the what if game yeah but if i'm sure Susie is upset that she didn't walk the four doors down to check on claudia oh yeah i forgot how close her her house was so right she was thinking claudia did stand her up it would have just been a very quick walk to walk Mm -hmm. to her house and be like why are you not down here when you told me to meet you here what's going on so but Susie didn't walk the four doors down she didn't knock on the door to see if if claudia's home or anything nor did jen go to check on claudia after her shift ended instead susie told reporters that she had just assumed that claudia had fallen asleep yeah and maybe she didn't charge her phone so susie enjoyed her time at the nags head and then went home the next morning on friday march 20th susie again tried to call claudia But the phone, again, went straight to voicemail. And we've only, we've not spoken to her since the 18th, correct? Correct. Okay. And remember I told you Claudia lived on her phone. Yeah, so it would be really untypical or or it would not be typical for her to have a dead phone. Correct. Yeah, that would, that was not typical for Claudia. And now... You know, after two days of not hearing from her, Susie's getting worried. So she did make a phone call to Claudia's dad, Peter, who he had a key to Claudia's place. She let him know that she was worried about Claudia. Well, Peter Lawrence, he actually, this is very logical. You know, I'm sure he was thinking, Mm -hmm. well, you know, maybe there's a good reason. So he actually tried to call her at work. Because that next morning she would have been at work. So Peter Lawrence called Goodrick College, since, you know, that's where Claudia should have been, only to hear that this was the second day that Claudia had not shown up for work. Oh, I bet he got instantly sick to his stomach. He did. And so he went straight to her home. And I'm sure his heart was racing as he unlocked the door and stepped inside. But Maggie, what he was greeted with 
was nothing out of the ordinary. Hmm. In fact, there near the door, right inside, were her neatly placed slippers. There were a couple of unwashed dishes in the sink that looked like maybe it had had breakfast or something in it. Her purse with all of her credit cards, her wallet, her passport was right there in the house. Her toothbrush was laying out as if she had used it. Even her phone charger was there. The only things missing were her rucksack, which is like a rugged backpack that contained Mm -hmm. her chef whites for work. So that was missing. Her cell phone was missing. Her hair straighteners. And of course, Claudia herself. Hmm. So where was she? Because it looked like that she had just left for work on the 19th, but had never made it there. Yeah, I was about to say, I wonder if she just, something happened to her on her walk to work. Because it sounds like you just said, she gets up as normal on the 19th, packs up her things and goes to work and, you know, ate her breakfast, put it in the sink. Her toothbrush was used. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's what it looks like. Well, her dad, because now it's the 20th, right? And yeah, so we've lost a lot of time. Exactly. Her dad immediately called the UK emergency number 999. And he was afraid that they were just going to tell him, don't worry about it. Wait a few days. She's an adult. She's likely going to come back. But to his surprise, the North Yorkshire police came out immediately and they came out in droves. Her dad recalled that there were, quote, about 150 to 200 officers combing every inch of the route she would have taken to the university, end quote. But they found nothing. Police searched her house, but there was no sign of struggle or foul play. So they decided to focus their attention on the route to work itself, on how far Claudia may have gotten from home and what may have happened to her. And they believed early on that this was an abduction. That's what they were ruling it in the beginning. Right. Not, what were they um, basing that on? Just that it looked like she had gone to work. And then never arrived there. Okay. But they didn't have a lot to go on. So her phone wasn't one that could track her location in 2009. And she wasn't on social media. Mm. So there's not really a clear technology trail anyway. So police put up posters all around the city. They spoke with as many neighbors, friends, acquaintances as they could find. And they literally began, I'll show you a picture of it, crawling on their hands and knees in the undergrowth along the route to search for any and all clues. And was her walk to work, you know, obviously the walk to the pub, that's on a sidewalk and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people were on that path. But her walk to the university, was that through town? Was that through like a more secluded area? No, it's, it's pretty open from what it looks like um you know you would pass by like a little playground or park or you know some green space but Mm -hmm. quite a bit of it was like near the university so there were shops and sidewalks and Hmm. 
things like that. And despite law enforcement's diligent efforts in that search, there were still things about their initial investigation that bothered Claudia's mother, Joan. Primarily, she was worried about the picture that they had chosen for the Have You Seen Me posters that they plastered all around town. They were of Claudia with longer blonde hair, but Claudia had recently changed her hair color to dark brown. So her mom, Joan, was nervous that, you know, there might be people who would talk themselves out of calling because, you know, the person that they saw, maybe they're like, no, that can't be her. This girl had brown hair. I wonder if there was a reason they chose that photograph. I don't know. But that, I mean, I get why she was bothered by that. Mm -hmm. Because that would worry me. Because I would think anything that could, you know, potentially prevent someone from calling I'd be worried yeah. about it. Yeah. It was during this investigation that police were able to see her movements on CCTV footage. And that's how I knew all of that movement on March 18th, where she's seen walking home. Um, she's seen getting to her home. She's then seen leaving again. She's seen mailing a letter mm-hmm, yeah. coming back. And we know all of that because of the footage. However, even on the morning of the 19th, at the closest location with CCTV footage, Claudia is never seen on screen, leaving Hmm. us to wonder whether whatever harm befell Claudia happened on the morning of the 19th, as everyone assumed by the toothbrush left out, the dishes in the sink, you know, but maybe before she got to that first CCTV footage spot, or whether it had happened on the night of the 18th, after she had talked to her mom and dad. Could somebody have taken her then? Maybe she went to stay the night with someone, and that's why her hair straightener was gone. But then you would think, well, maybe she would have taken her toothbrush with her. Had she... Right. Had she maybe taken a different route to work? And maybe that's why we can't see her on any CCTV footage that they're looking at. How close was the first CCTV footage to her cottage? That's a great question. I think it's about three quarters of a mile-ish away. Hmm. So then we have to think, well, maybe she's walking and somebody stopped to give her a ride. And that's when she met with foul play. I don't wonder if she would get in the car with somebody she didn't know. I get the feeling that she wouldn't. Hmm. So it was an attempt to answer these questions that caused police to pull as much CCTV footage as they could possibly find. There were... Some other peculiar things caught on CCTV footage that we'll discuss here in just a moment that could could be related to Claudia's case. But before I get into that, I want to give you one added detail that police were able to figure out based on Claudia's phone. So while her phone could not be used to track her exact location, it did provide some information. At 12.10 p.m. on Thursday, March 19th, 
Claudia's phone signaled an explicit detachment from Hmm. her network. So that is different from what I read from an implicit detachment. Like if your phone times out or it locks itself or if it's broken, so it's quickly not working, it has a sudden loss of power. An explicit detachment is a signal that happens when either your phone battery dies or your phone is deliberately turned off. It's a signal that basically says to the satellite, this phone is powering down. Hmm. But if she is really obsessed with her phone, right? I don't see that it. she would let her phone die of her own accord. Or really right. turn it off. Which leads us to believe that maybe somebody else turned it off. Hmm. Because her friends and family argue, like you just said, Maggie, that Claudia was religious about charging her phone. So that first option of a dead battery, they say, is some. it's not something that they would even consider. In their mind, whoever had taken Claudia has had also turned off her phone. Interesting. The CCTV footage that they found showed a man walking near Claudia's house at 5.07 a.m. on the 19th. They saw this person, this man, walking again right around there so claudia's house let me kind of give you a a physical description so claudia's home which is just four doors down from the nags head is in a row of houses Mm -hmm. right so it's not it's not separate houses they're in a row right in like like one building and between the nags head which is four door like if you're at I'm trying to, from where the camera is with the CCTV footage, Mm -hmm. Claudia's home in the row of houses is on the right hand of the screen. The nag's head is a few doors down on the left. And where the... So are we able to see Claudia's house from this footage? You cannot see the front door, but you can see the end, the side of that row of houses. Oh, so they wouldn't be able to say definitively like, yes, she left going to work that morning based off this footage right um so the camera is so her house is on a main road there's a side street that's where this camera is but it's kind of pointing Mm. towards the main road and then behind claudia's house in that row of houses is an alley so this cctv footage at 507 a.m on the 19th which would have been right around the time that claudia would have left for work Mm -hmm. you see this man walking down the side street back towards the back alley and he walks out of a frame for a minute and then he reappears walking toward the main road so police actually released this footage and they asked him to come forward yeah they, they, he could have seen her exactly like, did you see her mm-hmm. was she alive right so they're they're urging this man they're saying you know you would have been there right around the time that claudia would have left for work so did you see her did you not see her you know maybe he even mm-hmm. saw something that he didn't even realize was important but it is important to this investigation and you know they said they wanted to rule him out as a suspect and just get information but the man never came forward which to me i think 
sounds a little iffy for this guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it's literally just this guy walking mm-hmm. one direction on this piece of sidewalk. He disappears for literally two or three seconds and then turns around and walks that same piece of sidewalk again around the corner and off screen. Right. And so you're thinking, okay, first of all, who is this guy? What's he going back there to do? And why are you up at 5 a.m.? Yeah. And at that time, if Claudia left, it would have been around that time. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, even if he saw a car, you know, that information would be helpful to the investigation Mm -hmm. but the man never never came forward in the weeks following her disappearance there were a few witnesses who did come forward to say hey i think i saw someone who looks like claudia one witness saw a woman matching claudia's image talking to a man at the melrose gate bridge which would have been right before the first cctv footage of her Right, right before it would have been picked mm-hmm. up. Saw a man talking to a woman who looked like Claudia at around 5.35 a.m. on the 19th. And this was the way she would go to work. So she would yes. pass this Melrose Gate Bridge. Okay. Yes. And this would have been, you know, right around the same time when she would have normally gotten to that point in her okay. walk. This man, they described him as wearing a dark hoodie. And he was seen smoking, holding the cigarette in his left hand. Hmm. So when people talk about this case, they call this man the left-hand smoker. Right? Because he's holding the, the cigarette in his left hand. Another witness came forward and said they saw a woman of Claudia's description talking or arguing with a man near a car on the university campus. And that the passenger door was open. And that that was around the time that Claudia would have been arriving for work. So just a couple of minutes after six. Hmm. The man was described as wearing a black hoodie. Okay. Could the man, the left-handed smoker, and even potentially the man in the video, could they all be the same? You can't tell what this guy has on, but he definitely doesn't have on brightly colored clothes. It's definitely darker colored clothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then you're thinking, okay, well, could they all three be the same man? Could at least that first sighting on the Melrose Gate Bridge have been the same guy seen with the car on campus because Mm -hmm. if she got into a car and was given a ride to campus, that would explain why she's not caught on any CCTV footage. Oh yeah. Because she would have. Yeah. So here's the problem though. If that's the scenario, then she would, she made it to work. Like she made it to campus. So what, what happened at that point? Or was this even Claudia at all? Well, that's true because the picture on the poster doesn't really look like Claudia as we know her now. Right. And, you know, like I said earlier, part of the problem as well is that we don't even know if Claudia went missing on the evening of the 18th or the morning of the 19th because some small part of me feels like if she had gone missing on the morning of the 19th, as the sink dishes and the toothbrush seem to show, then mm-hmm. why did she never respond to that text from a friend that was sent at 9, 12 p.m.? 
Were we able to tell what time her phone sent that signal? It was powered off the next day at Mm. 12.10 p.m. Yeah, so then she would have been able to respond to that if it was a normal evening for her. Yeah, and so that's, I feel like that's something that she would have at least, even if she had already gone to bed that night, would have seen the next morning and then in my mind would have responded to. But then I feel like if something happened on the night of the 18th, then that could explain why she didn't respond. But then that would also mean that these two sightings of women who look like Claudia on the 19th couldn't Weren't possibly yeah, be her. I don't know if you caught my Instagram reel with a caramel frappuccino recipe, but I have been obsessed with making blended coffee recipes over the Christmas holiday in my blend jet, and I have been singing its praises to my coworkers since the day I got it. Blendjet 2 is portable, so like Allison, you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. You can be like me and pack it away when you go visit your parents for the weekend. <laughs> it's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice or even frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your work smoothies and frozen coffees without annoying the whole office. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C. And my favorite part about the Blendjet 2 is that it cleans itself. You just have to blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With more than 30 colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. I am rocking the seafoam color for myself. And I am loving my cute little lilac one. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code COFFEEINCASES12 and get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it, and so do we, or your money back. If you have a smoothie lover in your life, maybe want to make that New Year's resolution to build muscle and lose fat, whatever the reason, blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code COFFEEINCASES12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today by going to the link or clicking the link in our show notes and get the best deal ever. Since Allison and I don't work together anymore, recording our podcast became harder until we found Zencaster. Zencaster is podcast recording the way it should be, web-based and as easy as creating a link and clicking to join a recording session. If you've been listening to our show for any extended period of time, you know our love for Zencaster and their products. Now with Zencaster Professional, there's even more to love. Zencaster records video up to 4K. Post-production allows you to balance volumes and reduce background noise in one click. Filler word removal takes out all the ums and ahs that happen in natural speech. And you can now also add your brand's watermark to your work. For the podcaster, the production of an episode is simple from start to finish. Recording local audio, inserting pre-recorded audio clips like intro music and ads, and even publishing the episode or setting it to post at a future date and time. It's even easy for guests who aren't tech savvy, and you can add up to 11 separate participants. 
go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code coffee and cases, all one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experience we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So by June 2009, Maggie, Claudia's family got what they thought was good news. Okay. Her, her case would appear on BBC One's show Crime Watch, where it would get national attention. Mm. So it's kind of like, and I don't know this for sure, but in my head, I kind of picture like an Unsolved Mysteries because they would do reenactments. Or they 60 Minutes, the police. maybe. Yeah, they would talk to the police. That's probably a better example is 60 Minutes. However, Claudia's appearance on the show would end up being more of a curse than a blessing. Hmm. While the appearance on the show did increase the current coverage on Claudia's case, a comment from the detective superintendent Ray Galloway led to a complete shift in the narrative surrounding Claudia's case and to an unwillingness for other potential witnesses or those with information to come forward. So Galloway said of their investigation into Claudia's case, quote, as the investigation has developed, it's become apparent that some of Claudia's relationships had an element of complexity and mystery to them. I'm certain that some of those relationships were not known to her family or friends, end quote. Hmm. So this comment made it seem as though Claudia was having not only multiple relationships at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Because notice he doesn't say relationship. He says some of Claudia's relationships had an element of complexity and mystery. So he makes it sound like there are multiple ones and that those relationships were like secret, illicit affairs that if public could damage her family or her friendships. I feel like this is a great example of how we should choose our words wisely because mm -hmm. if they're worded certain ways, they imply certain things. Because mm -hmm. he could be talking about friendship relationships. Right. That maybe she was friends with people that her parents didn't know about, which again, I think would maybe sound could sound negative but right. i just think that the way we word things is important mm -hmm. and he actually did admit later that how it ended up being taken was not how he intended it you know because generally speaking if you have abductions and murders those generally happen or are perpetrated by people who are close to you right so it makes sense mm -hmm. that you're going to look into relationships but even though you take that take it back, you know, air quotes, oh. the damage has already been done. Mm -hmm. And the way that the implications sounded in what he said is exactly how the media outlets took it. So their stories, Maggie, changed from ones of this kind, beautiful girl next door who was abducted to downright victim blaming, using adjectives now like homewrecker, and basically implying that Claudia, quote unquote, got what she deserved. 
Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just off that one comment. We have nothing else to base that off of. And even if she were a quote unquote homewrecker, she didn't deserve to be kidnapped. No. Nobody does. And so after this comment, right, the rumor mill had begun running. And at that point, even though he later clarified that, you know, those implications were not his intention, it was too late to get it back under control. And now the less credible news sources began publishing stories about how many lovers Claudia had. (laughs) They cited anonymous sources. So people who weren't even willing to go on record with their name. Who were claim- or fake ones that they made up. Right. Potentially claiming that Claudia targeted older married men who frequented the pub and that there were around 40 men who Claudia was involved with. And her <laughs> friends and family at every turn are saying mm, false, mm, wrong, you know, the the landlord of the Nags Head pub was like, I've never seen her quote unquote target older married men. That's just complete. And she was in there a lot. Yeah. So he would know. Right. And her friends and her family who did go on record with their names also denied all of that. They clarified, no, she didn't have 40 boyfriends concurrently. You know, she had something like 12 over the course of six years. Yeah, that's two a year, and that's right. not that's not abnormal. Yeah, for dating relationships, and even if there had been more, that's still no reason for someone to be abducted and potentially murdered. Exactly. I don't understand why we have these stereotypes that just because someone is a quote unquote homewrecker or they're addicted to drugs or they right. were homeless. Or whatever, that they aren't worthy of the same treatment everybody else gets. I know. And that they deserve to be treated the way that they are. No one, for any reason, ever deserves that. Yeah. It breaks my heart, honestly, that Mm -hmm. we could go so low as to... Because even if she's having relationships with people, you know, and the people are in other committed relationships... That still doesn't mean that what happened to her, that she deserved for it to happen. Right. And that doesn't mean that her family is hurting any less. Right. So tabloids, of course, now are like, okay, we're going to run with this. So they actually Mm -hmm. found one man who did have an affair with Claudia. He later felt bad about it. He admitted to his wife what he had done. And this man, along with his wife, in the tabloids, went on record to talk about the affair. So that story only fueled the fire. And by the way, what did that story have anything to do with her being missing? Right, exactly. Why even publish it? Mm -hmm. But now it became a story for the tabloids and not the legitimate news sources. So now Claudia's story went from like, okay, let's feature this on the legitimate, you know, news sources so we can get answers to now anything about her case is being run in the tabloids. Yeah, zero credibility. Right. And men, especially, who might 
have information pertaining to Claudia are now afraid to come forward because the immediate implication would be that they too were involved or having an affair. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. There were even some men, Maggie, who wouldn't even admit that they knew Claudia because of the fear of scandal coming to them or their families. That's infuriating. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can see why. It's because of mm-hmm. what the tabloids did. So now, you know, if there's a man who, let's say he went to the Nags Head pub, right? Completely innocent. He just goes there and he saw something. Well, now this man is afraid to come forward to the police because his name is going to be published mm-hmm. in relation it's to this case. not... Right, and it's not him not coming forward this hypothetical man it's Mm -hmm. that's infuriating it's infuriating that the media took it to this point Mm -hmm. you know exactly and despite this is good at least despite the change in public perception the police were still focused in their search for answers they even extended their search to the island of cyprus in September 2009. See, Cyprus was a favorite vacation spot. She'd been there about five times of Claudia's, and she had several friends there. More rumors, but these rumors had it that she had even been offered a job on the island and that she had talked of one day moving there. And what finally kind of pushed law enforcement to search in Cyprus, what drew them to the island, is that final text that Claudia received, the one at 912 that we don't even know if she read, Mm -hmm. that she didn't respond to, was from a male friend who lived in Cyprus. So do they think that she just left to go visit and didn't tell anyone? One theory says that. We'll talk about it. Detective Superintendent Ray Galloway was interviewed by Jonathan Brown from The Independent on September 19th, 2009. Here's a snippet from that article about this search in Cyprus. Quote, some of the people that we've contacted have denied knowing Claudia or being in a relationship with her. I don't believe this to be true, said Mr. Galloway. One Cypriot resident she knew had been in Britain at the time of her disappearance and had yet to fully establish his whereabouts with investigating officers. While police knowledge of her quote-unquote complex private life was growing, it remained incomplete, he said. Some who knew her were reluctant and less than candid with one man admitting he was acquainted with her only after police visited him for a third time, end quote. So it seems even in Cyprus, the rumors from these tabloids are already affecting the investigation of people Mm -hmm. coming forward. Mm Mm-hmm. But we have to wonder, was the reluctance to cooperate because the people had something to hide? or because they were afraid of what the implications would be if their name was even mentioned in the investigation. Mm -hmm. So now you don't even know. Are they not coming forward because they're guilty? 
Or are they not coming forward because they don't want their name dragged right. under the bus or mm-hmm. through the dirt? Mm-hmm. After a bit, all of the leads in Claudia's case seem to dry up. The next month, after the Cyprus focus, the police were exploring a different possibility. They were looking for someone who had been reportedly driving a rusty white van in the area around the time Claudia disappeared. So they're imagining that it happened in the morning of the 19th. And they were attempting, this person who was driving this rusty white van was attempting to talk to women walking along the route. So they're thinking, okay, well, Hmm. maybe this person tried to talk to her and grabbed her or something like that. But nothing came of that lead either. Then, Maggie, there were the dead ends and hoaxes. Always. Oh, it makes me so mad. For example, one tip that came in led to police searching a playground area along Claudia's route to work, but they found nothing. This lead later turned out to be a hoax, and this wasn't the only one. In November 2009, someone posted on Facebook purporting to be Claudia with the message, Hi, everyone. Just let you be aware that I'm okay and I'm safe and sound. Speak to you all soon. Claudia XXX. Who does Mm -hmm. this type of thing? Well, police later discovered it was written by a teenager and they arrested him for this act. Yeah. And yet another person, also jailed for the hoax, gave a false tip that had led police on a four-day search in Heslington. So wasting precious time and resources. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Despite all their searches and all that they tried, the leads were reducing down to a trickle. It wasn't until 2013 that the North Yorkshire police created a major crime unit that would be dedicated to reinvigorating their look into past cold cases, especially given some new developments in DNA, that this case, Claudia's case, got new life. Because theirs was one of hers was one of the cases that the major crime unit took back on. And hmm. with the advances in DNA, they were able to find some new things. Oh, good. So new cell technology was able to show that Claudia's phone had been pinging in the weeks before she disappeared in the Acom area of York. And this would have been about double the distance of her walk to work. Hmm. So a few miles away. But no one... And this was weeks before she disappeared? Well, in the weeks leading up to her disappearance. Hmm. Yeah, it's pinging a lot in that Acom area. But no one seems to know who she might have been visiting there. Or why she may have been there. Using advanced forensics... They were now able to find additional DNA and fingerprints inside Claudia's home. You see, one of the things that after Claudia went missing, her dad actually was a strong proponent for, and he actually got a law passed that is nicknamed Claudia's Law. And Hmm. it's for families of victims who are missing because, you know, if they own a home, what do you do when that mortgage is coming due? 
Right. Like, at what point can you take over the affairs, the financial affairs of your missing loved one? And so at this point, there was no such law. And so her parents were having to continue to pay Claudia's mortgage and the bills. Oh, because she's just missing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think at first they didn't really mind doing it because, you know, they if she did come back, they wanted her to have that to come back to. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of lucky that they did have it. So now here we are in 2013. She went missing in 2009. Wow. And her place is still there. Everything as it was. Oh, so it's just like a little museum almost. Right. Everything in perfect mm-hmm. condition. Mm-hmm. So police were able to go in and do additional testing. And that's when they found additional DNA and fingerprints mm. inside the home. They also tested items from Claudia's car, although it had been, remember, in the shop for a few yeah. weeks before she went missing. But they were thinking, you know, maybe there's a clue as to who she had been hanging around in this time before she disappeared. And in that search, they found a cigarette butt in the car with a male's DNA on it. That DNA was tested against all of her male friends and acquaintances whom they had interviewed, and it didn't match any of them. So it could be the left-handed smoker. It could be. Yeah. So is this... The same smoking man from the witness sighting on the 19th. Who was this mystery man? Again, there was a call by law enforcement for this man who could potentially have ridden in Claudia's car and have smoked in it to come forward. And it went unanswered. Law enforcement also, when they reopened the case in 2013, they went back in time even further to watch CCTV footage in the days leading up to the 18th. You know, before they kind of focused their attention on just the 18th and then mostly the 19th, because that's Mm -hmm. when they assumed she went missing. Well, now they're backing it up a bit. And by doing so, they saw a couple of other interesting things. One clip showed a man about a week before Claudia disappeared. He was in his 30s and he was seen going up to Claudia's house. We don't know who this man is. Another clip was of a man in his mid-50s or 60s with gray mid-length hair and wearing a tan-colored three-quarter length raincoat who was around Claudia's house on the 19th around 6.15 a.m. Now, that would have been after she would have should have been at work, but... You know, could this man have seen something? And Mm -hmm. this second man, the description, generally fits one of the Nags Head regulars who the whole group knew. But again, neither of these men have been identified. Hmm. For the fifth anniversary of Claudia's disappearance, her case was covered yet again on Crime Watch. It was on that show that yet another CCTV footage clip was shown that had not been previously aired, even though it had been collected in 2009. It showed a silver or other light-colored Ford Focus between a 1998 and 2004 style driving along Hayworth Road in front of Claudia's house. This is the morning of the 19th 
at around 5.42 a.m. Just as it is exiting our view on the video, the car is seen swiftly applying the brakes. But why? This was a straight stretch with no traffic stop signs, no bumps, no lights. So why brake? Did the driver of this car see something? Was this person there to pick Claudia up and drive her to work? And that's why the car is braking? I'm going to guess they asked this person to come forward and no one did. Correct. I mean, yeah, it's just driving along and then just slams its brakes. And there's no reason to. Yeah, I mean, there's literally no one out. Right. Then... On May 13th, 2014, began the series of arrests in Claudia's case. Hmm. Police first arrested a 59-year-old man on suspicion of Claudia's murder. This man also worked at the university and lived near Claudia, about three-quarters of a mile away. He had given Claudia rides to work before. He was a regular at the Nags Head, and he drove a Ford Focus. An article in the York Press from May 13, 2014, the day of the arrest, stated, quote, Officers have searched that property, but searches have primarily focused on the back garden of the house in York and on paved area behind the garage, as well as the inside of the property, end quote. They even searched his mother's home for evidence. And, but even though hmm. containers of evidence were taken from the scene to be tested, law enforcement ended up letting him go and not charging him because they were not able to find evidence to link the man to any crime involving Claudia. But then why were they taking containers of evidence? I guess if it looked suspicious, they were taking it. And at some point during this investigation, they did change their ruling of the case from abduction to potential homicide. Okay. Because they're thinking, you know, she would have shown up by now. Something could have surfaced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Two months later, so they let that man go. Two months later, in July 2014, police arrested a 49-year-old pub landlord in Acom. Remember, that's where Claudia had been spending more time because there were the pings of Mm -hmm. her cell phone. He was arrested on charges of perverting the course of justice. And police had even dug up portions of the cellar floor in his pub looking for clues. Huh. But again, they found nothing, and the pub landlord was released without charge. Then, in April 2015, three drinking buddies were arrested for their potential involvement in Claudia's murder. Two of the three men were brothers, and the third man's sister had been married to the younger of the brothers. The eldest brother actually lived with one of Claudia's friends. 
but at the time, all were divorced men in their 50s who were regulars at the Nags Head and had actually been taking bets on which one of them would be arrested next for the murder of Claudia Lawrence. It's a little dark. Yeah. They said it was a joke, but police literally came knocking on their doors with search dogs in hand. Now, some people believe that the arrests show just how ridiculous the focus had become on the nag's head in particular. While others thought, like you just said, the joke is in such poor taste that they felt the men deserved the investigation. A spokesperson for Claudia's father, Peter, told reporter Lucy Thornton of The Mirror, quote, Detective Superintendent Malin made it clear that if people didn't come forward voluntarily to him, then he will come and get them. Someone is withholding the truth, and that is despicable. If you were, were waiting to hear the fate of your daughter and someone to save their own skin is withholding information, then I would hope the full force of the law will come down on that person, end quote. But just like the previous arrests, Maggie, these three were let go with no charges filed. Finally, on March 8, 2016, Four men, four other men, all regulars at the Nags Head, were arrested on suspicion of murder. All of them denied anything to do with it, and all four were let go because of a lack of evidence. I wonder how they're coming up with these people. There has to be, like, some type of lead. Right, something. One of those four men was the partner of Claudia's friend, Jen. Now, I only saw that in one source. Mm. Now, there are lots of people who still believe, despite the fact that all nine people who had been arrested at one point in relation to Claudia's disappearance have been released due to lack of evidence, that just because they haven't yet been able to piece everything together to prove guilt doesn't mean that any of those men are indeed innocent. We don't know. Right. But until people stop being afraid of public perception and come forward, Claudia's family and friends will continue to have to suffer in the unknown. And like you said, it's just so crazy because it seems they were just days from Mm -hmm. finding out what happened to her. Right. And now it's been years. Years. And I really think it had to do with that comment on Crime Mm -hmm. Watch that changed the narrative. In 2017, according to an article in the North Yorkshire News, police moved Claudia's case from an active investigation to a reactive one, meaning it wasn't the primary focus of investigation, but that if any more leads did come in, they would respond to and investigate them. It was during this time, the time of these arrests, in 2016, on the sixth anniversary of Claudia's disappearance, that police released yet another video grabbed from CCTV footage. This one shows a man acting suspiciously around Claudia's home on the night of March 18th, 2009, at around 7.15 p.m., So this would have been about an hour before she spoke to her mom and her dad on the phone. 
But again, we don't know if whatever harm befell Claudia happened the night of the 18th or the morning of the 19th. Right. So we've kind of got to mm-hmm. kind of look at both. This is on the night of the 18th. In this footage, there are two men. One is wearing darker clothing and is seen walking from the main road down the side street into the alley behind the row of houses, just like that previous video. He reemerges about a minute later. And as he's walking back up the side street toward the main street, another man in a lighter coat enters the frame, walking on the main road like he's coming from the nag's head, walking toward that row of houses that includes Claudia's. The darkly clad man stops dead in his tracks on the side street until the man in the light color coat on the main road has passed before he continues to walk towards the main road himself. That's weird. Okay, so watch this video. Is this the same footage I watched a second ago? No. Did you see him, like, just stop? I wonder if he did it so the man... Does he just go around the corner? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, he looks over his shoulder. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if he did that so he wouldn't have an encounter with a lightly colored jacket man. That's what a lot of people You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the footage itself, this is the night of the 18th, looks at the beginning nearly identical to what happens in that video footage the morning of the 19th. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks to me like it's the same person. Yeah. But this is creepy. Like, as he's walking back, he sees somebody walking on the main street and literally just stops. Yeah, and he doesn't even try to make it look like he's doing anything. Like, bending down to tie a shoe, checking his right. cell phone. He just stands there. Mm-hmm. Just real creepy-like. And then Until the man... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if he would have kept walking, they would have met at the intersection of those two roads. Yeah. And so the man in that white coat, or the cream-colored coat, would have got a clear look at this guy's mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, again, to me... And obviously we don't know. Is this the same guy who was seen on CCTV footage the next morning? To me, they look the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that the garbage cans for the row of houses, so like Claudia's garbage can, was in the alley behind her home. So that's kind of what he's walking toward when he goes out of the frame towards the back. So in my head, here's what I'm thinking. And this is pure hypothesis. Could this man maybe have been someone who was staying with Claudia? Hmm. Right? So then I'm thinking, you know, we don't know. He could have been, the this footage we just saw at 7.15, he could have been in her home when she was talking to her parents and have yeah. just been quiet while she was on the phone. Because, I mean, if Rodney's talking on the phone, if I'm there, I'm not making loud noises because he's on the phone. Exactly. So maybe this Hmm. man was there with her. Maybe he, like, took the trash or something. This is, and again, here's where my hypothesis, and I'm going a little crazy with this theory. But maybe he took the trash back there. And then when he's walking back, maybe he thinks he recognizes this other man, maybe from the nag's head, you know, and we know that Claudia, she's young, right? She's single. She's having 
relationships with people that are not necessarily serious. And why would they be right? She's not, she doesn't need to settle down now. And we do know that a few of the men who she dated were regulars at the nags head. So they would have been around each other, you know, what if Mm -hmm. this man who's staying with Claudia recognizes the man in the light colored coat from the nags head and maybe this man in the dark clothing is like oh that's one of claudia's exes right and maybe he pauses because he's thinking why is he walking this way is he coming to see claudia right so maybe he pauses so when he rounds the corner he can see if this man is going to try to go to claudia's house you know, and whether the man does or, or doesn't, you know, the man in dark colored clothing could have been, if he is staying with Claudia, could have been mad. Right? Like, why was he walking this way? And then whatever mm-hmm. harm happened to her could have happened that night. You know, that's the only I thing know. I can think of because I don't, I don't know why he would have stopped in his tracks. Like, I can't, I can't think of a well, logical explanation. Well, I'm wondering if, like you said, maybe he is staying with Claudia and he already has in his mind that he is going to harm Claudia. Maybe this isn't a serious relationship. Maybe she doesn't really know him that well. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe they just met that day. Mm -hmm. And then he is, you know, like you said, being nice and taking the garbage out or something like that and is walking back to Claudia's to do whatever he's going to do, or maybe he's already done it. Right. And he's leaving. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to run into anybody because I don't want them to be able to tell the police what I look like. So the police can make a sketch of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of those are possibilities. Yet another tip came in a little over a year ago, around August 2021, that led police to search a wooded area about eight miles northeast of York City Center in an area called the Sand Hutton Gravel Pits. Detective Superintendent Wayne Fox, now in charge of the investigation, told the North Yorkshire News, quote, We consulted a number of national experts in various different disciplines and concluded that we could not discount the possibility that sand Hutton gravel pits could have a major relevance in explaining what happened to Claudia. Armed with fresh information to the inquiry that seemed to corroborate known facts, we were duty-bound to conduct thorough searches of the area. Not searching was not an option, not for Claudia, not for her family, and not for the wider public. As a result of the publicity surrounding the last two weeks, members of the public have come forward with new information, for which I'm grateful. This will be assessed and investigated in the coming days and weeks. As I hope the events of the last two weeks demonstrate, We are committed to establishing what happened to Claudia and bringing closure for her family. You cannot fail to be moved by the ongoing suffering of a mother who does not know what has happened to her daughter. I again repeat the request to those who know what has happened to Claudia, do the right thing. Come forward and help end the torment of Claudia's family, end quote. And it's so sad because I feel that that is our plea every week. Mm -hmm. 
And the police spent several weeks searching that area with cadaver dogs, with ground-penetrating radars. They even drained a lake on the property and did another one of those fingertip searches where they're crawling on their hands and knees Mm -hmm. in a line side by side in the lake bed. But again, the search found nothing to lead them to answers. And as recently as January 2022, an ominous message was found by a member of the community. It was a laminated photo of Claudia with a bouquet of flowers on it. And surrounding Claudia's image is handwritten this note. She's in the water with arrows pointed in the same direction. And then to the side, it says, God bless her. There are so many times when I want to do something digitally, like read a book or take notes, but I miss the feel of real paper. I've tried journaling on my iPad as a great New Year's resolution, by the way, but the feel of the screen didn't give me the same satisfaction as writing on paper until I got Paperlike. Paperlike is a screen protector that makes an iPad feel exactly like you are writing or drawing on paper. It is perfect for note takers, journalers, and artists, for anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag your Apple Pencil across the screen. And every Paperlike comes in a set of two. So you'll always have a spare in case you need to replace it. It is exactly what I needed to allow me to find the joy in journaling on my iPad because now it feels like paper. To pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com forward slash coffee and cases. Click buy paper like and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So, are you ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com slash coffee and cases to get started. All right, so I have some questions. Okay, I'm ready. So, January 2022, so almost a year ago, Mm -hmm. we find a laminated photograph of Claudia holding a bouquet of flowers? No. Or the photograph is on a bouquet of flowers? Yeah, there's a bouquet of flowers sitting on top of the laminated photograph. Okay. And it says she's in the and, water. And then arrows are pointing to what? I don't know. I know they're just pointing in the same direction, but I didn't read whether it's like clearly one body like of toward, water. Yeah. I don't know. And it's just found in a random mm-hmm. location in this community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. Now, we don't have answers. We never do. Mm-hmm. But I do have some theories. And I want to know which okay. one you think is most plausible. Theory okay. one is that Claudia left of her own accord to go to Cyprus or somewhere else to start a new life. Okay. She did have friends there. She had talked about moving there one day. And rumor had it that she had recently been offered a job there. All that is well and good. But my devil's advocate 
why wouldn't she have told her parents at least? Why would she have made plans for right. the next several days with various people? That was going to be my next question. Yeah. If she had already planned on leaving to go to Cyprus. And the biggest issue, wouldn't she have needed the passport that she had left behind in her home? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. So that one, mm, I, I can already count that one off my list. Roll it out. Yeah. Yeah. Theory number two is actually a serial killer named Christopher mm. Hallowell. This theory developed after a book on Halliwell was published in 2017 claiming that he could be connected to Claudia Lawrence. Halliwell, we know, killed a woman named Sean O'Callaghan in ways that potentially bear a marked similarity to Claudia's case. So O'Callaghan had been walking alone early in the morning, around 3 a.m., toward her home. Halliwell, who drove a taxi, had pulled up beside her and offered to drive her home. She accepted. Okay. Mm -hmm, but instead of driving her home, Halliwell murdered her and concealed her body. Her murder was on March 19th, 2011, two years to the day after many believe Claudia disappeared. No big deal. That's my wedding anniversary, but carry on. <laughs> oh, no. Halliwell also admitted to the murder of Becky Edwards in 2003. And it is also believed that he may have murdered a woman by the name of Linda Razzle on March 19th, 2002, while she was walking to work. So a lot of things fit. Yes, the dates are all the same. He drove a taxi and... The circumstances. He was a left-handed smoker. Okay. So all potential connections to Claudia's case. And it is believed that he may have killed upwards of 60 women. Wow. Mm -hmm. To play devil's advocate, though, there is no direct link between Halliwell and Claudia Lawrence. Furthermore, the North Yorkshire Police and Wiltshire Police both say they have CCTV footage showing Halliwell at a gas station buying fuel, according to an article for ITVX, on the, quote, night Claudia vanished in York, end quote. Though that does make the assumption, it seems, that Claudia was killed the night of the 18th rather than the morning of the 19th because they said they have him on CCTV footage the night Claudia vanished. Mm. So that makes me think, couldn't he have driven to York that morning, that next morning of the 19th and committed the crime? And but we think he drove there specifically for her? Had he been profiling her? Was this so, just a random... Right. I mean, the other murders that he has admitted to were in the same town in which he lived. So okay. I don't think it was necessarily his M.O. to drive out of his way mm -hmm. to commit the crimes. But it's a possibility. Theory three is that some accident happened to her on the way to work. So could she have had some sort of accident? Maybe she was hit by a car and then her body disposed of. Law enforcement dismissed this theory pretty early on. 
But in my head, there is still that light-colored Ford Focus seen on the main street the morning of the 19th. That was around 5.42 a.m. And, you know, we asked before, why break? So then I'm thinking, mm-hmm. could they have struck Claudia? Ooh. So we don't know whether this, I mean, it could be an innocent passerby. And the reason for breaking something as innocuous as the driver dropping their cell phone and they're reaching for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you, you, you break as you're like leaning over to pick up a phone. I mean, it could be something as innocent as that, but we don't know because the driver has never come forward. Which, like I said, makes it sound fishy unless they just, you know, maybe watch that TV show and they're like, well, I don't want to come forward because there'll be, you know, right implications that I was doing something that I shouldn't mm-hmm. have been doing. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if they haven't come forward, that just looks bad on them. It makes them seem that they are involved in some right. way. I know. Theory four and the most popular theory is that Claudia was murdered by someone she knew. Could it have been an ex-boyfriend, even though most say she still had a good relationship with almost all of them? Could it have been a scorned girlfriend or wife from one of the, you know, if there was another man who had cheated with Claudia? Mm -hmm. Could it have been a man who had made advances toward Claudia and she had turned them down? Could it have been an angry friend? Was it somebody who was caught but not yet identified on those CCTV images? Sadly, we know that the majority of murders are carried out by someone the victim knows. So was the same true for Claudia Lawrence? All right, what are your Hmm. thoughts, Maggie? I'm not 100% sure on the theory, but I just keep going back to that town that her phone pinged in Mm -hmm. because she didn't have a car, correct? Correct. And that would have been too far for her to walk. So someone is picking her up and Mm -hmm. taking her there. Mm -hmm. So who is this person? That is everything that is in my head, too. Because how else would she be getting there? And nobody, nobody seems to know who she was going there with or who to see. Somebody I, mean, she, I guess her. she could have taken a taxi, right? And then that then could link her to the serial to the killer. Serial killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it a friend? I mean, obviously it was yeah. someone who was taking her. But who? While the case may be cold, it is still being investigated. The new lead of the inquiry into Claudia's case... Detective Superintendent Wayne Fox told the North Yorkshire News, quote, Whilst the inquiry is in a reactive phase, I want to stress that it is not closed. Every new piece of information or material is thoroughly assessed for investigative value and tested against the significant amount of material that has been acquired over the last 13 years. I hope that the nature and scale of activity undertaken in August last year demonstrates that we continue in our efforts to thoroughly investigate any line of inquiry that is deemed pursuable. And despite the passage of time, we remain determined to provide the answers that Claudia's mother, sister, and her many friends so desperately need and deserve. 
I am extremely grateful to those members of the public who have provided information, and I repeat my appeals to anyone else who may have information which is relevant to Claudia's disappearance to share that information with us. Although it is 13 years since Claudia disappeared, I still firmly believe that the public have a vital part to play in supporting our efforts. Given the sheer amount of material acquired and the number of inquiry lines pursued, it may be the case that what could appear to be insignificant could actually be the key to finally resolving this inquiry. End quote. Joan Lawrence, Claudia's mom, told Josh Halliday of The Guardian on March 18, 2022, quote, If you give up on hope, you may as well give up altogether. It's the not knowing. Despite the fact she was 35, she's my child. You can't say goodbye. You don't know whether she's dead. You don't know if she's alive. You don't know where she is. You don't know what's happened to her. There's no grave. It's still pretty awful. It really is. End quote. How she doesn't give up hope despite all that pain is remarkable and is a testament to her love for her daughter that hope remains stronger than despair. As for Claudia's father, Peter, he passed away in 2021 without ever seeing earthly justice for whoever had harmed his baby girl. But I like to think that he knows the answer now and is perhaps finally reunited with her. But we here on earth are still left with many questions, most simple and easily answerable, that while they may not lead us to the perpetrator, can at least eliminate paths that are red herrings, taking away energy from searching in the right directions. Number one, who did Claudia mail a letter to on the 18th and what did it say? Number two, if the witnesses did indeed see Claudia the morning of the 19th, who was this left-handed smoker she was with? Number three, what male had been smoking in her car before her car went to the shop? Number four, who was the man seen in the alley the evening of the 18th and the morning of the 19th? Why was he there and why did he stop when he saw someone who would cross his path? Number five, who was the man seen going up to Claudia's house in the week before her disappearance? Number six, who was the man in the tan-colored raincoat seen walking near Claudia's home the morning of the 19th? Number seven, why had she been spending time right before her disappearance in Acom? Number eight, why did the driver of the Ford Focus brake just as it was in front of Claudia's house? Number nine, who left that note that Claudia was, quote, in the water? What information do you have? Number 10, and finally, what will it take for these men to have the guts to come forward and do what's right, despite any fear of rumors? Detective Superintendent Fox, on the 12th anniversary of Claudia's disappearance, spoke words that are as true today as they were then. He stated, quote, Today, on the 12th anniversary of her disappearance, our hearts go out to Claudia's loved ones. They have endured unrelenting anguish and trauma throughout this time. I want to express our sympathy and ongoing support to Claudia's mother, Joan, to her sister, Allie, and to her many good friends. It is deeply sad that Claudia's father, Peter, died just a few weeks ago. 
never knowing what happened to his daughter. In my view, there are likely to be several people out there who either know or have strong suspicions as to what happened to Claudia. For whatever reason, they've maintained a silence for 12 years. That is an awfully long time to carry such a burden of guilt. The longer you carry it, the greater the anguish you're causing to Claudia's family and friends. Please do the right thing. Come forward and speak to me. End quote. Anyone with information concerning Claudia Lawrence's activity in the weeks leading to her disappearance or information concerning her disappearance or murder are asked to call the North Yorkshire Police on 101, select Option 1, and pass details to the Force Control Room, quoting Claudia Lawrence. Or, if you would like to remain anonymous, call Crime Stoppers at 0800-555-111 and state Claudia Lawrence, North Yorkshire Police. Or, by going to www.crimestoppers-uk.org. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. It's love notes for Maggie and Allison. And I want to send love to Jenny and Sarah for giving us a shout out on social media this week and recommending our pod to others. We love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is my favorite time of the week. I want to send lots of love to Jana, who sent us a picture sporting her coffee and cases hoodie and coffee mug with our mugs on it. Get it? Like our mugs on a mug. I love it. So good. It is amazing. Thank you for that. You really made our day. And if anyone else out there wants to order from our merch, you can click the link to our Etsy shop in the show notes for this episode. So that is still up and running. You can still get your CNC merchandise. Mm -hmm. We also want to send a lot of love to our newest Patreon members, Allison, not Not this Allison. Right. But another Allison and Rebecca, we are so glad to have you on Patreon with us. Yes, new members to the CNC fam. Welcome, Allison and Rebecca. And for our other listeners who haven't yet joined us on Patreon, remember that your time is running short Mm -hmm. to get in for only $5 a month. And you will receive three mini episodes and one solved case of bonus material each month so prices do change on january 1st so do not delay yes because today is the 29th so you do not have a lot of time right 
And if you join at the $12, $15, or $20 level this month and stay there through February, then you will get in on the next round of swag boxes that will go out around Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And if you've been considering giving Patreon a try, now is the time because you can get in on the swag box. You can get in on the lower price. Mm -hmm. So do not dilly-dally. That's right. We know you'll love listening to what is on there because we love creating the Patreon content for you guys. And with that, all of our love is going out to each and every one of you. Until next week, Sleuth Hounds.